Welcome to the Next Level Life Podcast. This is your host, Tony Kane. You know what? I love seeing people that just go out there and start something, stick to it for a really long time and accomplish great things. You know, my job is to go out there and find the most inspiring people and bring them to you to give you all the tips tools and motivation you need to take your life to the next level and today we've got a real treat so today i've got celebrity chef matt moran with us who's someone who's just been in the game for a really long time just continue to get better and better and serve more people and do great things and i'm sure he's only just getting started so i'm glad you're joining us today strap in i know you're really going to enjoy and get really inspired by today's podcast so matt thanks so much for joining me today mate pleasure pleasure to be here and I suppose for a chef, isolation isn't such a bad thing. Is that right? <laughs> uh, I, you know, I don't know about that. You know, chefs are, are pretty social sort of guys. They're, they've always got sort of people around, um, you know, especially in the kitchen. But it probably, it probably suited me for a while, you know, being um, when, I'm, when I'm in a kitchen at, at work, you know, I like to surround myself with lots and lots of people. Um, and you know, you got you know, your, uh, your chefs, and your apprentices, and your, your kitchen hands to do whatever you want them to do. But when I'm at home, it's, it's quite different. I find that I can't boss around my family like I can boss people around at work. So they don't tend to do anything for me. So I'd actually, I actually prefer to cook alone when I'm at home. Um, and I don't want anyone else in the kitchen because, you know, kind of they get in my way. Um, <laughs> and uh, and I, found, I find it very therapeutic. And, and to be honest, when all this happened, you know, I, I found myself cooking. I, I do cook at home when I'm at home. But, I'm not home a lot. So I found this time uh, there was a lot of, um, you know, maybe soul searching and um, a lot of time by myself in the kitchen, which I actually really enjoyed. And Matt, when you're at home, do you find that you're doing a bit of experimenting, trying new things because you had a little bit more time or you're sticking to the stuff that you usually cook in a restaurant? I um, I just, uh, I, I, I actually like to, to create and, and, you know, I, what I find my home cooking is more about what is around and what's available, and yep. and uh, you know I hate wasting food, um, and you know hence why I'm a big supporter of you know Oz Harvest and and, uh, and charities and things like that. Um, but what was happening uh, very quickly was you know all our supplies that uh, that normally have a, um, a, you know, a, a way to sell their product. Um, and some of them are quite artisan, you know, all of a sudden it, that, that dried up when restaurants shut. So, you know, you imagine being, you know, my, my seafood supplier or, or my chicken guy or my butcher guy that, you know, that has all this incredible amount of stock um, and all of a sudden they've got no way of, of moving that. And, you know, they had to pivot um, very, very quickly um, to do, you know, uh, whether they opened their warehouses or they were doing deliveries. Um, so, you know, a lot of those guys were saying, hey, Maddie, you know, can, can I help you out? Um, and uh, can you help us out? You know, we'll, we'll start sending over some, some produce for you to cook with. Can you use it and, and, uh, and promote it and, and, try and, and try and move it for us? So, you know, what I found was, you know, having boxes of food arrive. Um, so, you know, I, I was cooking it, and, but not only that, I was actually telling people uh, where they could go and get it, you know, and it's, most of it was wholesale. So people were getting great value um, and, uh, you know, and I, I had a lot of food that I had to move every day. Lucky, lucky I've got a cool room at home, otherwise I would have been in trouble. I wouldn't have been able to store it. <laughs> that's right. But that's good. I, I like hearing that because it's, um, it's amazing how people's ability to think differently and pivot has come on so fast. And I like hearing those little stories where it's like, okay, well, shit, I can't do what I did yesterday. So I've got to do something different today. And it's, um, have yeah. you seen a lot of that, mate, not only in your group, but across the sort of networks that you're working with? 
Yeah, I have. Look, you know, and, and that's, that's, well, a lot of it is, is about self-preservation, to be honest. Um, you know, you, you, what do you do? You just give up and walk away or, or do you find a, a means to an end and, and, and pivot really quickly? So, um, you know, we, we all found us doing different things that we've probably never done before, but it, it kind of, um, you kind of think about it and you think, wow, you know what? I mean, a great example is last week, you know, we opened Chiswick and we've been doing takeaway there for, for quite a while. And, you know, obviously when we reopened, the, the takeaway dropped, but it was still oh, probably about 40% of what it was. So it, it's, you know, it's like, wow, all right. So there's another market there. Um, and what people were saying to us, yes, look, we love coming to Chiswick and it's fantastic, but God, it's great to have that, um, you know, good takeaway food and that experience to have it at home. So, you know, it's, it's, it's like, right, well, Saturday night, you might want to come to Chiswick and, and bring family and friends. Um, but on a, on a Tuesday night, geez, you know, you've had a tough day at work and you're like, oh, you know what, I just want to, I just want to make it easy on, on myself tonight and I don't really want to cook. You know, let's just get a, a, a lamb shoulder and a couple of sides and, uh, and that'll do it. So, you know, we've, we've found ourselves pivoting quite quickly, but then also we found that, you know, there's, there's other markets out there. Mate, I love it. And, and you, it's funny you say that. My wife and I, we've got, we got two kids under five, Matt, and we the same thing. We're like, mate, love to go out and get the nice food. But if we can be at home, you know, in our, in our Ugg boots, but we still get the benefit of the, the nice food, you know, that's a, that's a win. And then go out when we, when we can and go out every now and then. But it sort of might create those once a week as or once yep. a fortnight as into, you know, twice a week as or weekly yep. pace, uh, um, customers. So I love that. But, mate, take me all the way back. So you grew up in Western Sydney. Now, I know you left school at a young age to become a chef. I was, what I was going to ask you is, did you always think you wanted to be a chef, Matt, or when nah, did you first sort of decide? No, uh, look, I, 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 we were in the country originally. I was born in Tamworth and, and you know, we, we you know, lost our farms, unfortunately, when I was very young and we had a dairy farm for a while. And then I started school out in the dairy farm, but then I pretty much did my sort of, you know, schooling years um, out west. And, you know, to be really honest, Tony, I wasn't that academic. Um, and I was a bit of a bit of a wild child, um, you know, a little bit sort of OCD or you know whatever you want to call it. Yeah, always, always moving around, always busy. And uh, and problem was, you know, when you when you're really busy at school, you don't tend to learn. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I don't think anyone sort of really saw that. They just you know thought that I was a bit mad. Um, and uh, you look, my brother was a little bit more academic than I was. Um, I was certainly good at certain subjects. I was incredibly good at maths. I was always in you know the top one or two classes in maths, which is kind of bizarre. But I'm still very good with numbers, which is great. And uh, and I just look, I hated school, and I wanted to leave, and I would have done anything to leave school. And and you know, growing up out west, you, you always did a trade, pretty much. Yep. Um, and uh, you know, I, I did a little bit of baking when I was you know in year year nine, year ten. You know, a bit of work experience. Um, and then I used to work in Parramatta RSL on weekends. Um, you know, for a bit of extra coin, I think I'd do two days work and get paid 10 bucks or something. Um, <laughs> wasn't a lot, but, uh, kind of, you know, didn't really enjoy it to be honest, but it was something. And then I thought, oh, well, you know, maybe be a butcher. And, and then I thought, oh, maybe I'll compromise and try and be a chef because I couldn't get an apprenticeship being a butcher. And, and I just started looking for, for work and, you know, I think I probably went for a good 20 interviews prior to getting the, the, the golden one, but um, you know, I got uh, my apprenticeship at a place called La Berline, which is a, a fine, was, was a fine dining restaurant, which is probably one of the best in the, in the state, probably one of the best in the country, actually. Um, and I was just this young 15-year-old kid from Mount Blacktown Way. And, and, uh, and I remember I, he asked me to do a three-day trial, and I, I remember seeing food 
that I'd never seen before. Um, yeah, right. And I was just like, wow, you know, like, you know, silly things like souffles and banned strawberries and, and the discipline and something like that I'd never seen before. And, and somehow, um, you know, I bullshitted my way and, and got the job. I ended up staying there for maybe five years and I was a head chef at one point. Um, but I just, I remember my dad just come pick me up every night and, because uh, it was six nights back then. Yeah. And uh, I remember dad thinking, you know, you know, not many Blacktown boys become cooks and, uh, or chefs or whatever you want to call it. And, um, you know, he was worried that I'd, I'd go off the rails and, and leave and that I wouldn't, couldn't go back to school. So he used to say to me every night, you know, when he picked me up, he goes, you know, is this what you really want to do in life? Do you like it? And I'd sit there and I'd go, dad, you've got no idea. Like, you know, we did this today and we did that today and we saw this and we saw that. And it was just like, it was just something had switched, you know, and I became obsessed by it. And, you know, I'd, I'd work hundred hours a week and get in there early before everyone else just to try and learn something different. And I remember Tony vividly on Sunday afternoons, I'd catch up with all my mates because that was my day off. And I was only a kid, you know, 16 years of age then. And, uh, and you know, they might've been a bit old because I was very young for my year. And um, I remember them all used to say, oh, you know, Monday, oh, got to go to work tomorrow. Oh, I hate work. God, I don't want to be there. You know, blah, 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 blah. And I, I used to keep quiet about it. And I used to think to myself, is there something different with me? Why, why do I want to go to work tomorrow? Why do I want to go and learn something different or something new? And I just thought I was a bit different. But, you know, I just, I was lucky. I just found my, my, uh, my uh, destination. I, I bought, you know, my, my, my thing in life that I loved. And that's yeah, I was lucky. But Matt, that's the key, right? Once you, I think that's uh, the ultimate goal. I mean, you take the money in, out of it, right? If you can get to that situation in life where you don't have that I just Monday. Know, I'll clarify one thing. There's no money in it, buddy. <laughs> Not <laughs> those days. Uh, I, no. I, paid, I paid 150, 160 bucks for a 100-hour week. There, there wasn't a lot in it. There's about a buck. <laughs> but as a career choice, I know that if you could sort of ask someone, how do you know if you're successful in the career that you've chosen? It would be that question on a Sunday afternoon. Have you got that dread or do you have that excitement? I think that's yeah, sort of a... You know, and I, I've sort of lived on that my whole life. It's where, you know, you do something you do, do something you love in life, you never have to work another day. And I, I, I totally feel that. You know, don't get me wrong, I've had some bad days, especially this year. Um, but, you know, and I'd have some bad days when I was younger too. But, you know, it, it was something that I always really enjoyed. And, and having kids now, you know, I've got a, a, a nearly a 15-year-old and, and an 18-year-old. Um, one's in Melbourne about to, well, he's actually started you know, doing his um, medicine career. So he's a very bright boy, got a really high ATAR on his 99s and uh, got a scholarship in Melbourne. So he's, he wants to be a doctor and, and my daughter's still at school. And I've always said to them, you know, guys, you know, they don't, obviously don't want to follow my footsteps and be a dirty old smelly chef out the back. <laughs> um, and I always say to them, I say, you know, no matter what you do in life, just make sure that you're happy that you, what you're doing. And, and if you start whatever you, you want to, you know, you think you like and you don't like it, don't do it, you know, change. Because, you know, being my age now, um, you know, I look back and think, God, I'm so lucky that I actually did something that I love. But Matt, talk to me more about that because a lot of people, and I've, a lot of people that I've coached and worked with, they think, oh, I can't pivot because I've, I've spent five years at uni practicing my law degree and I've been at this a solicitor for five years, but they're, they're actually depressed and they hate it. So, I mean, there's a fine line between you've got to get the, the hours up and the years up to become an expert, but at the same time, I find a lot of people are completely in the wrong game. So how, how would you sort of, what advice would you give to? Uh, my, my wife's a, a lawyer and, uh, you know, she does the, the, the criminal side. 
and uh, you know she does what she does. But but saying that, I, I, what I want to say is that I know a lot of chefs that have been cooking for 10, 15, 20 years that are very average. <laughs> I know a lot of lawyers <laughs> that have been doing it for 10, 15, 20 years that are very, very average. I know some lawyers and I know some chefs have only been doing it for a few years and they absolutely love it and they're really yep. good at it. Yep. So, you know, I think if you love something so much and, you, and you, you're good at it, um, you know, you, success will come with you. Um, you know, because you, you're, you're a happy person. You know, there's nothing worse than going to go see a, a lawyer that's a miserable old bastard and hates what he does, you know. Um, he's not going to be successful, is he, really? You can sort of tell pretty quickly, can't you, when someone's really into it or, or, they're, or they're not and they're just sort of ticking the box. Like, um, so, man, talk... Well, it's like someone walks into the kitchen, you know, you, you find out pretty quickly whether they're, whether they're into it or not or whether it's just... You know, and there's that whole thing with, with being a chef, you know, to be famous for a while. You know, I'll tell you what, when, when I started, there was no fame in it. <laughs> well, mate, tell there me. There out the back that no one cared about. <laughs> well, mate, tell me. So what was, the, what was the turning point? Did you, was it 1991 when you opened up your first uh, restaurant there at Paddington Inn? No, I, look, not really, because, you know, we, we were working pretty hard then. The, the whole sort of celebrity thing came in when, when the whole TV thing started, you know. And, yep. And, uh, or maybe even a bit before that, you know, I think back in the, you know, 70s, 80s, even probably some of the 90s, you know, chefs never really owned their own restaurants. You know, it was always someone that, you know, was a business guy or whatever and, you know, laundering money out the back. I don't know what they were doing, but (laughs) people wanted to know the owner because, you know, they wanted the best seat. And and I think what happened was when chefs started coming out of the kitchen and saying hello to customers and, and, uh, you know, and then everyone wanted to know the chef because he was the owner and, and they wanted the nicest table and they wanted to be looked after. Um, and hence, you know, that, that's, I think that's how it all really started. For, for me, it was anyway, you know, getting to know people and, and networking and, and, uh, and then that led to other things. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things that everyone wants to know the chef these days because they want, the, they, want to, they, want to, they want to bring guests and say, oh, yeah, I know, blah, 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 but also they want to be looked after by the way. It, it's funny that, and mate, talk to me about like, Obviously, you know, in a business like a restaurant, the chef, you know, is the technician. So how, how have you sort of found or enjoyed both sides, Matt, of obviously the entrepreneurial side of running a business versus running a kitchen? Have you sort of, because I know there'd be a lot of people who just love, you know, love coding on the computer or just love cooking, but they don't want to deal with staff and running a business. Did you have to learn that, mate? I know you said you were good with numbers, but did that come naturally to you, that yeah, entrepreneurial? Look, look, I don't think it was because I was very shy, um, strangely enough. And, uh, and, you know, for the first 20 years, I was just out the back and, and doing what I did. But um, I think with the business side of it, that I just surrounded myself with really good people. You know, I had, a, you know, my partner for 24 years, Peter Sullivan, um, who's now pretty much retired. Um, and uh, Bruce Solomon, you know, who's my partner now and has been for 20 years. Um, I think being equal is a really important thing. Um, you know, there's no... I'd love to say that I've got a big backer that, that you know, backs me into everything, but that's unfortunately yep. not, the, not the case. Um, <laughs> uh, but, you know, and I think being equal with your partners is really important, but also surrounding yourself with people that, that actually know more than you and know better than you and you just learn off them. Um, and, you know, I remember when Peter and I opened our first place, you know, in 91, and I remember after a few months, you know, thinking, God, this is easy. We've got so much money in the bank, but we actually weren't running our books properly and paying people. Um, you know, and then all of a sudden it's like, wow, the reality set in when we actually had to pay people and we thought, God, you know, we don't have enough money, you know, and we're not being smart about it. 
So, you know, bringing the right people in then all that, all that time ago and, and starting to learn the business side of it. And, and that's really important because, you know, anyone, well, a, lot of, a lot of chefs can just open the doors and open a place, but if they don't know what's going on financially, they'll go broke very, very quickly. Um, and especially now because it's, it's a lot harder and the margins are, are getting tougher and tougher and, and you've got to be smart the way that you buy, you've got to be smart the way that you, you, uh, you, you, you run your staff and, and, you know, how much rent you pay. And Matt, look, I know at the moment, there's a lot of people who are naturally struggling and doing it really tough, you know, what advice would you have for people out there who, you know, who are doing really tough at the moment? Oh, look, you know, it's, it was very hard coming into this whole whole COVID-19, you know, shutting down was very expensive and, and, you know, paying your your staff and your entitlements, which, you know, I think is is key. You want your staff to come back and you want them to be happy. Um, But, you know, reopening is going to be the hardest. Um, There's no question. You know, reopening and, and trying to come out the other side. Um, the, I think there probably will be a lot less of us. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, I, I think there's already things that are happening in our industry that should have happened many, many years ago. Um, a great example is you know taking credit card details and and making people either cancel on on properly or and not just turning up. You know, we we would have sometimes you know ten percent of people not turn up on one night, and and that's when we could refill it. And that's just people being damn rude and, and, and not caring or booking three or four restaurants and going, all right, well, let's go to that one. Um, right. And we should have, like anywhere, like you, you always have to, you know, you can't just get on a plane and pay at the end of it. Um, and, you know, I think that we, we, were, we were slack in that way or we didn't want to do it because no one else was doing it. And it's where at the moment, you know, every chef and restaurateur that I'm talking to are taking credit cards. And I have to be honest, you know, in last week, in, uh, in the two venues that I opened last week, uh, we only had two people no show. Um, and okay. that would normally be, you know, 20 or 30. It's like you said, mate, like I, do, I, I coach a lot of like tradies where, you know, I've got a guy who just spent six months, he's a, he's a concreter, right? He's, he's, he's multi-million dollar waterfront. He spent six months on the design, right? And he was meant to kick it off. And then the weekend before he's kick it off, the the owner called him and said, mate, we've gone in another direction. He just spent six months, you know, designing the plans of how he was going to install this concrete. So I think as a restaurant, it's, a, it's an absolute no brand, especially the restaurants of your caliber where, you know, that's that empty seat, you know, it's not, it's not cheap, you know, to, to have that seat sitting there empty and a non-paying customer. So mate, what do you think? Like, a Oh, sorry, buddy. A good example is Aria. If we have 20 people that don't show on a Saturday night, which is 10%, you know, you're looking at four or $5,000. That, that's your profit. You know, there you go. you've lost your profit completely. So um, I think that that is here to stay. And, and uh, you know, uh, our issue is the margins getting smaller and smaller. And, and there, there is a point where uh, we just have to charge for, for what, what we're doing. Um, and, you know, what we found was with a lot of our suppliers that, you know, that when, when it all went belly up, their prices dropped considerably. And, uh, and what we're finding now is a little bit of gouging. Now that we're reopening, they're like, oh, well, we've got to get our money back. And, uh, and you know, prices have gone through the roof. But, you know, we, we know that there isn't a meat shortage or a, or a fruit and veg shortage. And that's just, that's a bit, that's a bit disappointing. Um, it's like us, you know, it's like us if we just said, all right, all of a sudden, you know, um, we've got to make a margin. But if I doubled everything, you know, people would go, oh, well, he's just trying to gouge, you know, and, and that's, not, that's not on. It's a fine line. Yeah. yeah. And I, I mean, for, for, to pay, you know, $12 for a roll of toilet paper, that, it's not sustainable. And I think it's hard because people are just trying to survive, aren't they? And they, they're doing everything that they can, but it's a, like you said, it's probably a good point. I haven't heard that before where you said, obviously COVID's knocked us all around, but getting back to normal is going to be tricky because 
things aren't what they were. You can't charge the same. You can't do the same things. The margins are tighter. So, so it is, it is really yeah, tough. And I'm more worried around when JobKeeper finishes. Um, mm-hmm. you know, rents come back in in September, October, and I think it's going to be really, really tough. Um, and that's when you, I think you'll find that, that places will close or, and fall over. Mate, and what do you think? Because, mate, how many people would you employ across your restaurants, mate? Uh, between, between uh, I think it's about 600 or something in mine, and then my partners, there's is, is probably about 1,500, 1,600, I think, that we, uh, we laid off. Huge, huge workforce. And, I mean, that, would, that, would that be one of the toughest things you've had to do? Oh, right? and, and sort of... it, it was horrible. Um, it was horrible, horrible. Um, but you know, we, we, we always want to do the right thing and, and with our staff and, and I consider that we do and, you know, we paid all entitlements and, uh, you know, holiday pays and all that sort of stuff. So I, I always felt that if something went wrong and the world blew up, you know, or didn't blow up, but you know, we all survived, someone could never come back and say, well, you know what, Matt didn't pay me my entitlements and, and, you know, and that was really important to me to make sure that the staff got all those. That sleep at night test, it's important. And Matt, now I know you've got restaurants to run, mate, and things to do, so I won't hold you up. But mate, one of the questions I was really keen to ask you was, you know, you've, what would have to happen, you know, over the, over the next decade for you to, and your wife and your kids to really feel like you've had an amazing decade? Like, what are your goals, buddy, both professionally and personally? Oh, look, you know, I've, um, you know, I, I don't really have them mapped out that much. You know, probably a little bit more, I suppose, this year, thinking about what's been going on. Um, yep. you know, I want to spend more time at the farm. Um, I want to do some things on the farm. You know, I wouldn't mind putting some uh, little eco cabins on the farm at some stage and, and have some accommodation. Um, and yeah, I, you know, I, I just, I think this is, is great for everyone. It has made everyone realize, you know, how much do you need? And, um, and uh, you know, hopefully that most people come out of this better people. Um, you just have to see what's going on in the world at the moment. And and, uh, you know, if there's any way that we can make a difference to, to what's going on, you know, let's try. Uh, be nice to people. And, um, and uh, yeah, and, you know, maybe my ambition wasn't to, you know, was what it was five years ago to have 100 restaurants and maybe it's, you know, maybe, maybe I just want to have a half, or, half a dozen or a handful or a dozen or whatever I've got now. I don't know how many I've got now, 10 or 11. Um, and just make them better, you know, and... and uh, and just try to have a bit more of a life, maybe. You know, what I've really loved in this period of time is is hanging out with my, my two kids a lot more, and you know, playing cards on weekends and and saying to them, you know, guys, you, you might you might hate the look of me, but you're eating well, and uh, you know, you're never ever going to have this experience again. I, <laughs> I remember I remember my 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 son is you know 18 and he's back from uni, and uh, he said. You know, one Saturday night, and I cooked a meal, and he said, "Geez, it could be a lot worse, couldn't it, Dad?" And I said, "Oh, why do you say that, Harry?" He goes, "Can you imagine if you were a shit cook?" <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, mate, I wish I was there. You, you know what? That um, it's funny. Like sometimes I feel like the best gifts can come badly wrapped, and uh, you know, like let's say fast forward, you know, your life 30, 30 years, right? If someone said to you, Matt. Back then, I'm going to just pause the world, right, and give you, give you and your wife basically two months of just quality time with your kids. It's going to cost you some money, but would you be happy to make that deal with me? I think most people would make that deal because you might never get that opportunity again. Would you agree, mate? You're, you're 100% right. You're 100% right. I think everybody would do that. 
Um, so you know, look, it is it is a real negative what's going what's gone on and 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 going on, and it's been devastating. But you know, there are there are a couple of positives, and, and that's definitely one of them. Oh, awesome! Well, mate, I uh, mate, I really appreciate you hanging out today, mate. I've, um, I was really. I was really glad to get you because I know I love the story. I just I just love seeing people who you know they they find that passion early on. They they sort of get in it. They stick a bit. One thing leads to another, and it it sort of culminates in this you know business where you know you create amazing experiences for people to to eat great food and just you know it's just that little bit of a, a you know you can maybe create a bit of an outlet for people with what's going on there. Come to your restaurant and just have that release so um so mate uh, mate congratulations on, on all of the stuff that you've done so far and i'm sure you're just getting started mate i really appreciate you taking some time out later to hang out with us today buddy pleasure tony and um mate when you're in town and you're one of the places that we know and, and uh, let's talk more footy and have a beer there you go. I hope you really enjoyed that one. I know I uh, got a lot out of that. I always get pumped up talking to guys. Just knock about guys who, you know, have been in the game, become a master at their trade and completely dominate. And uh, really humble bloke. Just a really good story. So I hope you take a lot of inspiration out of that, that you can too go out there and just figure out what you really love, chase it down and just stick at it through the good times and the bad times. So thanks so much for tuning in today. This, If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button. That way every time I do a new podcast, it'll come straight to your phone. And if you know some of that might benefit from having listened to this podcast please share it and most importantly stay safe take care and we'll catch up on the next podcast